Welcome everyone to our podcast, your introduction to Christianity. I'm Stephen. And I'm Jake. And this is Word on the Street, a beginner's Bible study. Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of um, Word on the Street. The last time we talked about the Tower of Babel, which was pretty much just Genesis chapter 11, but today we will be covering much more chapters, um, pretty much the entire story of Abraham. Yes, sir. So we will jump right into it. Wait, Ab- Abraham Lincoln? Oh, what? <gasps> uh, not that Abraham. You ah! <laughs> I guess technically his name is Abram. <laughs> oh, this and is well, true. Yeah, it's an true. epic name change. Yeah, yeah, that actually doesn't happen for quite a while, actually. We, yeah. We'll actually get to that in in this reading, though. Oh, uh, dang. Well, it, it uh, happens never in mind. Chap- Spoilers. <laughs> ah, wait, I, I no. I, none of us said <laughs> anything. Abram. <laughs> his name is still Abram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, so for those of you guys uh, who might be new to this podcast, um, go ahead and check out our testimonies and then our uh, little testimony video t- um, about what we're here about and what we're doing. Uh, we will be reading fr- again, as always, from the Lutheran Study Bible, ESV. Um, any version uh, is you know applicable to this Bible study. Um, it does not matter what version you're in, but, uh, we will be using this as our study Bible as it has a lot of notes from Luther, um, very nice visuals and then even little, uh, like mini segments that we will also cover as episodes. Yes. Yes. Uh, We will be taking place in, uh, Genesis chapter 12 in your Bibles, going all the way to Genesis chapter 18 today, finishing through that, basically, like Jake said, getting the entire story of Abram, pretty much, uh, up until, up until, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and we will cut it there, so. Yeah. Uh, Jake, would you, would you want to kick us off in, in chapter 12 and take us through? Yeah, it would be my pleasure. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, start with me at uh, chapter 12. Uh, the call of Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah, and at that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and I on the east, And there he built an altar to the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord. 
And Abram journeyed on, still going towards the Nedjeb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, don't know if I pronounced all those things right. But, there is uh, a lot of biblical names that are uh, very interesting to pronounce, and I mean, even, <laughs> it's still hard to pronounce even if you know Hebrew. <laughs> like, <laughs> like people who have studied yeah. Hebrew still, you know, can mispronounce all of these things. <laughs> um. Yeah. Call it basically, yeah. This guy Abram now exists in the Bible. He's not mentioned really before this. We kind of covered it last episode um, because we covered Terah's descendants, and Abram is one of Terah's descendants. Um, But yeah, like this guy Abram is suddenly now important to the Bible, and he's going to uh, Canaan because God said so. Yeah. <laughs> and and the the greatest part about all of this is that Abram is a pagan, which means that <laughs> he is not technically a quote unquote follower of God. Um if you want to learn more about um like pagan history, uh we will be covering it a little bit later uh just because as it pertains to to Abram and his story right now, um it's not crucially important that we cover like him being a pagan and following god um but it is super important that we mention that regardless of what was going on abram god like shows himself to abram and abram's just like oh okay i'll listen yeah you tell me to leave all right everyone let's leave (laughs) (laughs) This guy, yeah. this guy was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely would have thought I would have been going crazy. <laughs> creator of the universe appear before me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially one that technically he didn't even like acknowledge as as a creator yet. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. He's like, I'm used to my gods not moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. In this next section, uh, starting with verse ten, uh, we're gonna see why it's interesting that God chose Abram because in this next section, we're going to learn that Abram is not a nice person. Um, (laughs) so starting with verse 10, now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there and for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a beautiful, a woman, beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and for, the, and for her sake he, dwelt, he dealt with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with, the, with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's, mm. Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she is your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is this is all in chapter twelve as well. That finishes chapter twelve. And yeah, 
<laughs> Jake, you want to go ahead and explain to people why this makes Abram a, a relatively bad guy? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I've kind of just uh, sold off his own uh, wife to this pharaoh to save his own skin, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, kind of a pretty cowardly thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, honestly, though... We, 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 we like to sit and look and say like, oh my gosh, like, like who, like, why would you do that? But like, honestly, if we were in his situation, we would likely do the same thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause so, yeah, the, that, that would be a pretty scary situation too. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. So for those people who might not know, um, uh, Pharaoh is basically just the king of Egypt, right? And um, with Egypt, re- uh, like religion, Pharaoh is seen as like uh, as like the the man appointed by the gods in order to rule the people. That's kind of how that works. The Pharaoh, the the role of Pharaoh is passed down to the firstborn son of Pharaoh's line, and uh, basically, uh, Pharaoh has. Hundreds of wives at this point, pretty much, like, numbers of wives, he has children pretty much with all of them, um, and basically, it's just like, yeah, the firstborn son of his line is appointed to be the next pharaoh. It also is to show that pharaoh has, like, a generation underneath him of people that are, like, in line for the the spot of pharaoh in case anything is to happen, because back in back in this day, you know... Uh, there's not, like, a lot of, you know, medicine and all this other crap going on. Um, yeah. So, like, it was it was safe to say, just, like, I'm going to have hundreds of children just because. <laughs> and I'm going to have a generation for myself and a people of, like, the royal, quote-unquote, royal family that everyone, like, serves and obeys. Uh, so, Pharaoh being Pharaoh... Um, Abram knows about this and it's just like, hey, if he sees that my wife is beautiful, he's going to kill me because he wants to take my wife for himself. So if you're my sister, I now am the person speaking on behalf of you. So if he wants to marry you, he has to keep me alive kind of deal. A a very, very interesting cultural instance. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely lose a lot of that. Yeah, yeah everyone's <laughs> just like, really just gave his wife away, it's fine. Yeah, it's not really what the President of the United States does, at least I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, become President of the United States, get 40 wives. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just casually. You know. Just casually. That's just, how, that's just how it's done. Yeah, you, you don't do that? I mean... <laughs> oh, really? oh. Okay, uh, but anyways, uh, chapter 13. Yeah, chapter 13. Um, let's see here. Alright, Abram and Lot separate. So Abram went up from Egypt, and he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him, into Najeb. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Najeb as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar to the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord, and Lot who went with Abram also had flocks and herds and tents. 
so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And that, at that time the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourselves from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley, with well waters everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Then they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. The, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the yokes of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Yeah, we, a lot of disputes. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's not entirely clear, Lot is Abram's nephew. Uh, and, uh, Abram, we, we talked about, yeah. I think we it made a mention of Lot in chapter 11 as well. Yeah. Yes, Actually, it, it doesn't, does it even, I mean, it probably states that he's Abram's nephew, like, a while after you're introduced to him. Well, in, um, in chapter, actually, no, in chapter 11, it says that, um, um, Terah fathered Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Ah, uh, yes. So we learn about Abram yeah. and Lot before we learn about the call of Abram and the story of Lot and, and all that. Because again, like we yeah. talked about in the Bible, the, the 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 Torah and a lot of stories are just like, here's what happened. All right, let's flash back to that moment and talk about why these people are important. Yeah. So that's that's what's happening here. Lot is Abram's nephew, and um, his father uh, passed away. Uh, something I don't remember when we talked about. Uh, I think it just <laughs> says that he, yeah, he just died in the presence of his father in the land. So he just oh. died. He's dead. Uh, yeah, and, died of natural causes. And <laughs> maybe. <I don't> know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Abram is now fathering Lot as just you know taking in taking in Lot. Um, but because, um, Abram's father was actually super rich, like, he, very wealthy man, and in this time, wealth yeah. came from land, livestock, servants, silver, gold, all this other stuff. Yeah. So wealth was not just defined by, like, a money amount, um, and because, and then when his father, Abram's father, had, uh, kids, his, basically, his inheritance was split between them, with the oldest getting, like, the most, and then all of the rest of them getting, um, 
and getting a piece of everything else. Uh, and uh, the way that names are organized in the Bible, the first one is usually the oldest. So Abram is mm-hmm. the oldest of all the brothers, and Haran is the youngest, uh, which means that A- uh, Abram has a lot of his father's inheritance. Um, but also, Haran had a lot of inheritance, and it says that Haran only fathered Lot. So yeah. in that exchange, Lot now has inherited pretty much uh pretty much all of his father's inheritance which is a lot it's to the point it's to the point where abram and lot cannot have not be next to each other because of the fact that they own too much stuff that the things that they own are constantly getting intermixed in messing with uh with the dynamics of the other um and so they basically agree to split ways um and Lot ends up in Sodom, which is uh not very good. <laughs> yeah, not good at all. And then we also have the promise to Abraham once again, um, about having a great nation built with him. Uh and it's the so as the, the dust of the earth uh can be counted, so will your offspring also be counted. Uh, and he promises that his inherit that his um, generation will that his people will yeah. inherit the land that he's in far uh, far wider and um, longer than he is that he owns at the moment. And he's talking yeah. about the promised land, which we will get to in the Exodus. Yeah, and it's interesting that God made that promise to uh, Abram and not to Lot. You know, right? Yeah, Lot does not receive this. Um, this covenant, and uh, we will see why here in a second. Mm. But uh, chapter 14, Abram rescues Lot. In the days of Am- Amraphel, mm-hmm, uh, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Alazar, the names of a bunch of other kings that I'm going to skip to in verse 3. Because <laughs> I do. <laughs> Off the record, I remember this part. So <laughs> remember me reading this part last time yeah. and struggling. Yeah, we're, we're not going to put you guys through that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So back on the record. Um, chapter 14 starts off with the names of a bunch of kings. Um, and I'm going to start with verse three because all of their names are a jumble of word spaghetti. Um, <laughs> all of these, uh, all of these joined forces in the Valley of Siddam. 12 years later, there is about, um, in the first, uh, two verses, there's about seven Kings, I believe. Uh, but we'll mm-hmm. go over that again. 12 years later, uh, 12 years they had served, uh, Shedar Lamer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the 13th year, they rebelled. In the 14th year, uh, Shedalamer and the kings who were with him came and defeated Rephaim in Asheroth uh, Karnaim, the Zuzim the in Ham, the Enim in Shaveth uh, <laughs> Kiriathem, and the Horites in their hill country of Ser, as far as El Paran on the border of the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to En Mishpat, that is Kadesh, and defeated all the country and uh, of the Amalekites, and also the Amorites who were dwelling in the Hazar Tamar, Hazan Tamar. Then ah, the yes. then the <laughs> yeah all of that yes absolutely. 
<laughs> amen to that. Um, <laughs> Thank you, <and> amen. <laughs> then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, went out and they joined the battle in the valley of Siddim with Shedrlamer, king of Elam, title king of Goim, Emperor king of Shinar, and the Arak king of Alazar. Four kings against five. All of those names to say four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of uh, Budaman pits, and as the king of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into them, and the rest fled into the hill country. So the enemy took all of the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all of their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abraham's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom, in his possessions and went their way. Then one who had escaped from uh, escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and of Aner. These were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that, the, that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all of the possessions, and also brought back his kinsmen, Lot with his possessions, and the woman and the people. Ha! (laughs) (laughs) So, Jake, were you able to pick up stuff from that? (laughs) Uh... I probably picked up like 20% of what you say, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) So, to sum up all of this that happens, there's a whole lot of kings in the area that Abram and Lot currently are in. There's Canaanites, there's a bunch of other people, Amorites, Amalekites, um, all these people are currently living in the land that um, Abraham and Lot also inhabit, right? So they inherited all of this land in these areas that these people live in. This is where we know that Abram is a pagan, because these groups are pagan groups. So basically, it lists Mm. off a bunch of these kings right that had this this treaty together that's what's going on in like the first two verses and then and then 12 years later they rebel against this one big king um who is the shadow laumer guy he's like the he's like the the king above kings here he's the leader of this group and they the all these other kings rebel against him and so he calls up um he calls up four other kings um, in, in like a group and they go against the Kings that rebel against him. Right. And they take over pretty much everything against those four Kings. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Lot is currently in Sodom. And so he is completely overtaken by these people. And so now, now Lot and all of his possessions, all of his inheritance, everything that Lot owns and is in, under his name has now been completely taken over because Sodom has been taken over. And apparently this one guy, literally just one person, uh, escaped and, and was able to go tell Abram and was just like, hey, Lot's been captured. And Abram's like, oh no, we can't have that. <laughs> And this man, this basically farmer, farmer Joe guy who just has a lot of people working for him, goes and defeats five kings, and then reclaims everything that was taken. 
and they overcame four kings. So he now overtook all of those people, basically, and now has all of their possessions now. He took 318 trained men that were, that were just there, like, they were trained for fighting. That does not mean that was the number of his servants. Um, in this instance, they only kept track of the men, so he still has female servants. Uh, like, he's got a lot of people working for him. And he takes, basically, an army and overcomes all of the kings and reclaims law and all of the possessions back. So now he is even wealthier than he was beforehand and probably even wealthier than his father at this point. <laughs> That is all that happened right there. The names of the kings and the places that they're from are for the cultural reference reference to uh, the Israelites who are being told this story. Um, Because they would know where these places are. They would have heard of these Mm -hmm. kings and they would have said their names better than I did. (laughs) 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 Because I definitely didn't say their names right. But yeah, there was a lot of, like, cultural references in there on why, like, and that's why that's included in this section. Because, again, the Bible's not written for, uh, like, written to us. It's written for us to study and understand. So, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I almost reversed that. I was just like, the Bible's not for us. It's written to, it, wait. Other <laughs> <laughs> <Just>, uh, yeah. <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah. To us, for the Israelites. Yeah, it was written for the Israelites, but it's written to... (laughs) (laughs) Don't quote us on that! (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so that's all that happened just in that little section. So now we get to the next part of 14 with this random guy, Melchizedek. Yeah, and he's a very interesting, kind of mysterious figure, so (laughs) we'll uh, get, get on to reading that. Um... After his return from the defeat of shit, uh, whatever that says, I feel your pain. Yeah, <laughs> Shadow Laumer is how I pronounce it. Him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is King's Valley, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemy into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the uh, to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God Most High, Professor of Heaven and Earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap, or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten, and the share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Eshel, and Mamre take their share. Mm, indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Hey, uh, Jake, uh, what, what's, what's weird about this man, Melchizedek? What's interesting is this guy is uh, doesn't really seem to be like these other kings here. He actually... Uh, uh, some somehow no, recognizes um, Yahweh, uh, the the Israelite God, and uh, he's he seems to um, well he's called a priest, hmm. and priests weren't really even things yet, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, 
also the fact that um yeah yeah he uh he basically um attributes the victory of the battle to uh, the Gog of Israel. Well, I guess Israel's also not really a thing yet. <laughs> yeah, but, but you, you you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So um, so Melchizedek is weird on many levels, and um, we we not if we went into depth in this episode, uh, it would be like a three hour episode. Uh, of yeah. just talking There's about a lot of different theories. Yeah, I'm just talking about Melchizedek. <laughs> But to sum it up and to, you know, promote more episodes for you guys to listen to, uh, Mechizedek is what we call a Christophany. Uh, and it's, it, it basically means Christ before Christ. <laughs> Christ, uh, like Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Um, and we can go more in depth than that. Uh, if you guys want to know um, more about the Christophany stuff um, and and the different theories on them, um, like I, like Jake was saying, they are theories. Nothing has been like you can't really prove that they're a hundred percent real. But theologians have come to like an understanding that yes, this makes sense. If you guys want to know more about it, go check out our little mini segment episode that will come out after this, or stay tuned. I guess is what I should say of our little mini episode talking about. Uh, Christophanes and Theophanes in uh, in Genesis. Do you have any Sierra Lutheran shirts? Chase can wear. Anything. Nate might need one too. He's been wearing hoodies. So. Oh well, I. I... Can just do a quick wash. Maybe I'll do it. You know what? Actually, I'll do something. Oh, I actually. Okay, I'm good to go now. <laughs> <laughs> My dad wanted. Uh, I, I I I heard yeah, and I completely forgot that you guys would like have to yeah find a. Uh, New clothes for the dress code. Yeah, he pretty. Besides all the hand me downs, he has the best stuff. So. I mean, I feel like, I feel like Nate set with the hoodies though. I was so comfortable doing oh, yeah, that for yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah, Nate's good. Right. Just, yeah, he just doesn't really have much. All I all I did was just be like, hey, check out our next uh, episode for when we do Theophanies and Christophanies, mm-hmm. which we technically gotcha. do after this. Um. Yeah. 
but we probably won't be doing that tonight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 15's not that long. I can, uh, 15's just the Covenant. Then you have Sarai and Hagar, which again isn't that long. Then we have the Covenant of Circumcision, uh, which yeah, what the? will be something that we should probably talk about <laughs> a little bit more in depth. And then Isaac's birth promised is basically chapter 18 because um, the chapter chapter 18 starts in the middle of Isaac's birth promised. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, you read pretty much, well, whoever is on that part, just read all the way up to Abraham. And we just read the subheadings still. Keep going on that, that little tempo. I think we'll be good. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah, that should work. Okay, but if you guys want to go ahead and if you're listening to this a little bit later and you want to actually pause this episode and our Christophanies and Theophanies video is out there, if you want to pause this video, uh, this podcast episode, go watch it and listen to that one and then come back and have a better understanding of this Melchizedek person, so be it. Go for it. That would be super worthwhile to get those extra pointers. But uh, we will continue with chapter 15 for right now uh, yes. with uh, God's covenant to Abram now. All right. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be great, shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my house, household will be my heir. I feel like I read that wrong, but I didn't. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven, and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, "I am the Lord who brought you out of uh, out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess." But he said, "O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it?" He said to him, "Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon." He brought and he brought him all these. Cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. And then when bird and when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be the sojourners in the la- in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And after they shall come out with great possessions. As for yourself, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in a fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Hmm. When the sun had gone down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking fire pot... And a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. 
the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Ah. Young Conditional Covenant. Yeah. Jake, um, you want to go ahead and explain the... The, the concept of covenants as as far as like why Abraham had to do uh do all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much these covenants are kind of the uh like equivalent of kind of legal documents we have today when one party signs and the other party signs to agree that hey, we're both gonna keep our end of the deal kinda of, <laughs> kind of a thing, right? <laughs> Um, and they, this is pretty much what this is, except they, it's the, the, ser- the, uh, way it's done is a little bit more dramatic with, uh, <laughs> animals getting cut in half and stuff like that. But, but the gist of it is, um, uh, pretty much they would, they would cut this animal in half and that would, that would symbolize the, um, the, the what the punishment would be if the person... Uh, if one if one of the party members did not keep their end of the deal, they say, then let your fate be like this animal, which of <laughs> course no one would want that to happen. That'd be pretty uh, gruesome. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so pretty much uh, that 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 is the that's the symbolic thing there. And um, Abram, uh, well, God, God walks, and oh, I should also say when they walk through. That's kind of them like signing and saying, "Yeah, we, uh, I, I will keep my word." Kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, God, uh, God walks through. Well, he kind of appears as I think it says he he appears as like fire. Or he something. appears as a, a flaming yeah. torch. Yeah, a flaming torch. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, walks on through, or I, as moves on through, I probably shouldn't say walks. Uh, <laughs> Grow some legs. Maybe just he's yeah, like yeah. waddled a maybe, little bit. Maybe, man. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> fire legs. And then, um, some fire Abram. legs. <laughs> <laughs> and then Abram uh, kind of just falls asleep. Uh, it's just kind of faints and something, something comes over him and he does not... Uh, walk through himself but god kind of does it for him mm-hmm. and this could also be seen as a uh as a uh christology yeah as that uh, that is uh god god took the punishment because we did not keep our our side of the deal here for this here covenant yeah so and uh the thing about this is that like yeah, the cutting of the animals is kind of gruesome, but it's too... It, it, it's like, covenants are, like, not to be broken. If you no, make a covenant, you have to do a lot of stuff in order to make a covenant, uh, and have a binding covenant, right? Um, there's, a, um, there's conditions on both sides that need to be made. Here, there is no condition for Abraham, though. Well, yeah. Abram at this time. Abram does not have to do anything. Like, he doesn't have to... Uh, some covenants would be like um, like the exchanging of daughters or sisters for marriage was kind of a common agreement t- style thing. Um, but like a, an example of a covenant would be like, 
if I, we'll see this later actually in the Bible. I don't know if they make a covenant together though. Um, but it's Jacob works for like 14 years in order to marry, um, to marry, uh, the girl that he wants to. Um, and, uh, like it, that would be kind of an example of a covenant like a covenant basis would be just like i promise to work 7 years for you in exchange you promise to give me your daughter for marriage kind of deal and if i do that and you don't uphold your end of the deal or i don't work if i don't work 7 years like i my fate is to be like the animals that i walk through and, like, the reason that you walk through it is so that it's not, like, a verbal thing that you can just be like, oh, yeah, I agree to this. That that wasn't enough, right? You had to actually physically walk through the blood of the animals that were cut in half and made into a pathway for it to be signed kind of deal. Like, it was a very big deal. Uh, and in this, where Abram is worried that all of his inheritance will go to some other guy that is deemed his heir, uh, probably a, a servant of his from Damascus, um, probably like a head servant of his from Damascus. He's worried yeah. that all of that inheritance will go to him because Abram doesn't have a uh, an offspring. But earlier, God was like, "Hey, look at all this dust. That's what the number of your offspring will be." Uh, let me actually look up the name of this person here uh, to see it was something about Damascus. Where? There it is. Verse 2. Uh, yeah, uh, Eliza of Damascus is a servant born and raised in Abram's household. Uh, Maybe a loyal servant. Probably a loyal servant. Mm-hmm. Eliza is by no means preferable in uh, to the natural born son God promised. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but yeah, so Abram's very worried about the fact that like he's not gonna have uh, his own his own offspring to pass down his inheritance to, uh, and God and God's just like nah, nah, man, like your num- number the stars that's so will your offspring be like he's reassuring mm-hmm. him that this will happen and then god passes through is the only one who passes through the covenant being like if i don't uphold my end of my end of this of this covenant then so shall my fate be and we know from this god has never failed and will never fail so this is a covenant yeah. that will happen regardless. Yeah, God's the man of his word. <laughs> and um, in that last bit, with all of the people, right? We talked about earlier that there's a whole lot of people inheriting the the land that Abram is in. Uh, those those people are still around because when Abram overtook the land and overtook the kings. Um, he, he didn't just keep all of the wealth. You see the king of Sodom, like, blessing Abraham with, with wealth, um, but not, you know, making him the king of Sodom or the king of Gomorrah kind of deal. Like, he, he had, uh, he was blessed with wealth for helping, um, overtake the kings that overtook Sodom and Gomorrah and all the other kingdoms. But these, these, all these people still inhabit these lands, um, and God is just like, you see all these people, your people will own all of that land and that's where your offspring will be. But he also says that they will, they will be afflicted for 400 years and be servants in a land that is not theirs. 
400 years that they will be that they will be servants in a land that's not theirs so god is already selling them hey you're gonna have a great nation from your from your like generation and they're gonna leave the land that i'm telling you is gonna be yours to go to a land that's not theirs and they're gonna be there for 400 years but then uh, but then i will bring them back out and bring them into this land again <laughs> he's yeah. he's promising promising Abram so much just like stuff right now and I can't I can't imagine being Abram and being like uh-huh <laughs> yeah, yeah like, all of this absolutely yeah. I'd be a bit too overwhelmed <laughs> there's so much going on <laughs> like I'm having I'm having billions that and that kind of number wasn't even really fathomable at that time yeah, yeah. but I'm having huge offspring and People and like people, my people are gonna leave this land for some reason, and go somewhere else and be be servants there for four hundred years. That's a long time, and then come oh, yeah. back into this land, and then inherit. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot of stuff going on. That's yeah, like Rick. But. Now we get to learn more about what Abram decides to do with this information in chapter 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chapter 16. Uh, Sarai and Hagar. So, um, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abraham, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant, it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, and the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am the fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against his, all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, son who Hagar bore, Ishmael. 
Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Sheesh! <laughs> so, yeah, quite a lot of uh, consequences from that uh, <laughs> come, came along. I'm uh, I'm reading the, the little study note for verse 12 when it says a wild donkey of a man, and it explains it better, uh, like, under, like, on what it means, but I love just that term. <laughs> Interesting. So basically, it means that he will be unbridled. He will be a man with temper, but he will mm. have like a very vicious fighting spirit. So he will be a very, very violent man, and it says that he will be given to war and bloodshed. Oh. So the 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 promise given to Agar is that um he let like that her son will constantly be um like constantly find um himself afflicted with the the promised son of abram is kind of the deal that we see here everyone's gonna like try to attack ishmael um but we'll see later that like it it's it's understood that ishmael's line that the people from ishmael's line will constantly uh, find themselves being the ones who are um, afflicting pain on God's people uh, from um, from yeah. Abram's line, from his actual yeah, promised son. Interesting, very interesting. Well, yeah, we get more evidence of why Abram's not a good guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you could, if you wanted to argue, put the blame on sarai but at the same time abram could just be like no <laughs> so yeah it's one way it was uh both of them were definitely at fault <laughs> yeah sarai's like hey i i'm old here's a servant you want a kid there you go and abram's like ha, awesome <laughs> uh and and that happens and then like uh <laughs> uh sarai is like super super like i don't know jealous upset whatever at hagar now that she yeah, actually the conceived plan, uh, the plan definitely backfired she, yeah she didn't even take into con like into consideration of her own emotions uh by this and is now like super furious that um abram's son is now not hers and she's just like be gone from here get out uh, <laughs> disgrace whatever <laughs> And then, yeah, all of that happens, and um, and the the whole eighty six years old thing too is kind of important. <laughs> eighty six yeah. man, and he has a son, but that's not the son that was promised yeah. to him. Like that, that's already a miracle, man. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like, why don't you trust God to do it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, so before. We get into um, Abram's promised son. There's a section here of Abraham and the covenant of circumcision, which is a kind of mm. controversial topic in the religious and non-religious yeah. world. And we're <laughs> going to do our best to explain why it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and why God even does it. Exactly. It seems so, a little, like, weird. <laughs> yeah. So, chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, 
the Lord appeared to him, to, uh, to Abram, and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make a covenant between, that I may make a covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be the father of multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram. Your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offsprings after you the land of your sojournings and all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abram, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, uh, after you throughout their generations. This shall be my covenant, which you shall keep, between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall your covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh or his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant." So, snip it off. Am I right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, basically, the thing that's happening here is God is making a new covenant with Abraham. This is the second covenant that he's making with Abraham, except this one is conditional. And this is why this is important. The thing here is, this is not like any other covenant either. Because there is no animals, there is no nothing. The thing that is symbolizing the covenant made with Abram, now Abraham, is circumcision. The thing here is, is that the males are being circumcised because it is a symbol of being on God, like, of being God's people in this time. Uh, it is to represent the covenant for, you know, Abraham's generations and all of the people under Abraham, all of the men now need to be circumcised as a representation of them siding of them siding with God and the, of of the God who is promising to bring them into this land and their generations into this land if they do so. The aspect of he who does not, who is not circumcised, uh, shall be cut off from his people. It doesn't mean that if like, it doesn't mean that like, um, they are to be like the animals in this covenant. It's they are actually just physically being removed from uh, from from the group, right? It, it's it's if you want to think of it in a weird way, it's basically like a click. <laughs> God, God is, God is basically being like, okay, if, if, if you are, if you have people, um, or you have, um, uh, sons born from your line uh, or from your people, or you buy like slaves or, um, or, or men from foreigners, uh, to be your servants, 
in order for them to be affiliated with you, they have to become circumcised as a representation of God's covenant and promising them into the promised land. It's an interesting covenant, but one that lasts through the generations of his people because it is a covenant made for the generations of his people. Mm-hmm. It's it's still weird. <laughs> no, like I, one thing I still don't get is like God, like why did you have to like do it like like why does that have to be the sign? <laughs> well, <laughs> of all, th- all the other things that could have been. well also like the thing is is that like we know that god made people so he knows that it can be the foreskin can be removed (laughs) so like so he and he knows that it can be done safely and i think science today has said that it's technically healthier uh just because but yeah i'm pretty sure that's true that that that's nothing yeah that has nothing really to do with it um it's just a symbol of God's people with you. And the and the reason being that it's this kind of covenant is because it's not like... I, I think I, it's like a speculation here. For me, I think that he's done it this way because it's not something that you can turn back from. And mm. that's the whole concept of like our Christianity today is that like if you... Um, accept jesus as your lord and savior there should be no turning back and in this instance you're not just gonna grow your foreskin back (laughs) so because like the the aspect of covenants is it's supposed to be an unbreakable promise once you commit to that covenant and so once that once this piece of you know once this foreskin is removed there's no turning back against it so it's supposed to be a representation of mm-hmm. like eternally being a member of God's people kind of aspect. I mean, yeah. sure, he could have been like, cut off an arm, you won't grow that back, and <laughs> cut off or cut off a finger, or poke out someone's That's eye true. or something. But it's like this is kind of like the safest representation of like a removing of something that will never, that can never turn back kind of idea. That's kind of mm-hmm. how I simplify it because even if you like, you know cut off like if someone wanted to be weird and cut off a like a slab of skin eventually that'll heal or grow back kind of um but like it's the actual removing of something that is is different is at least how i'm how i've speculated it Mm -hmm. um yeah no that that kind of makes a bit more sense mm -hmm. But I, I, we also don't, it also doesn't, like, necessarily apply to us, or at all, anymore, actually, because the whole aspect of Jesus is he's fulfilled every covenant, so Old Testament covenants, especially the circumcision one, representing God's people, is not a thing anymore, as far as, like, something that has to be into effect. If you are a Christian, um... (laughs) You do not have to be circumcised in order to be a Christian. <laughs> that is not how that works nowadays. That was the whole aspect of Jesus coming back and fulfilling all the covenants. Is that he upheld all the ends of the deals in which humanity failed. So now all of the repercussions from that no longer apply to us. So we no longer have to fear about being cut mm-hmm. off from the people of God if we haven't been snipped yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> 
Slut, yeah. let that happen. <laughs> that does also does not mean that if you're circumcised, you should feel bad about it. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Literally does not matter anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's what a lot of uh, Paul's letters are about. Yeah, yeah. Paul is just like... that was a huge deal. Paul was just like, guys, stop talking about it. It doesn't matter anymore. It's gross now. <laughs> They're like, TMI, guys. Leave, leave us alone. <laughs> Alright, but yeah, after he's made this uh, this covenant, he now, God now talks to, to Abram about Isaac. And um, let it also be known that this is... 30, no, sorry, 13, not 33, 13 years after the conversation uh, with Hagar. Like, 13 years after the instance with Hagar. Ishmael is now 13 years old, and mm. God is now promising a uh, son to Abraham. Yeah, he still had to wait 13 more years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, all right. Um, yeah, so Isaac's birth promised. And God said to Abraham... As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, or moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and shall call, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and he will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he'd finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham God went up from Abraham, and Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all those born in his house or brought with or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised, and all the men of his house, those born in the house, and those who, and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with them. I will stop there because that's where the chapter ends. Even though, <laughs> no new subheading. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things that we will constantly come back to is when uh, scripture uh, authors uh, repeat something, it's because it's important. And in this instance, yep. he says that they were all circumcised like four times. It's because he wanted to reiterate that all of the men under Abraham had to be circumcised on that very day. Abram was almost a hundred years old when it happened. He had several. He had the, an army of three hundred and eighteen men when he took the uh, when he took over the kings, and that didn't include his his male servants. Uh, so yeah, you could probably expect maybe about 
I don't know, I would say an estimate of 600 men getting circumcised on that very day because God was yeah. like, hey, you want to be a part of this? This is what happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they they took that covenant pretty dang seriously. You can believe that. Yeah. yeah. You can believe that. <laughs> this is what happened. Um, yeah. Then, yeah, God's like, hey, Isaac will happen. And Abraham laughs at God. <laughs> and the gall on that man <laughs> to laugh at the creator of the world. <laughs> Like this guy, <laughs> yeah. just like ha! My wife's old. You're funny. I guys, you got good sense of humor. <laughs> I could not yeah, imagine. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I've I've said that before. I said that before when I was like, if God was promising all this stuff to me, I, I couldn't imagine being like, oh yeah, hundred percent. But I also couldn't imagine being like, ha! funny. <laughs> yeah, could not imagine no, it's that. A very. <laughs> It's it's like a, I don't know, yeah. It's it's still a very human reaction, but it's still kind of like like us reading it. We're like, wow, holy, yeah. You're <laughs> you, you're kind of bold to do that, man. <laughs> There's nothing to say that yeah, we would have acted any differently. But speculating on it, you you're always just like, huh, this guy, yeah. <laughs> what's wrong with him? Yeah, I almost <laughs> like to think he like started laughing and then he like stopped himself when he realized exactly who he oh, was. Oh yeah, laughing. this is God. Um. <laughs> like, uh, uh, oh wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but the story of the the promise to Isaac continues in chapter eighteen. Um, but there's no change in subheading. But and the Lord yeah. appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, and he sat at the door of his tent. In the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, I have found favor in your sight. Do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you, uh, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. And they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds of milk and, uh, curds, uh, he took, wow, he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. And mm. so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out, and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abram, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. <laughs> then the men set out from there, and they looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, I shall, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the... And all the nations of the earth shall be best blessed by him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household 
after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, because, of the, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So, <laughs> so, uh, so not only does Abraham yeah. laugh at God, but also Sarah, and she then gets called out for it, and she's like, I didn't know that. <laughs> that was, that was yeah, me. <laughs> but, like, how did you know? You are God. <laughs> <laughs> you were over there. Like, you couldn't hear me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, um, how did you know? But this is one of those instances, guys, next episode when we post the Theophanies video... Um, that we will explain a little bit more in depth, but this is technically not a theophany, but also a theophany because it's God in flesh. Like he goes down to Abraham, right? Uh, yeah, he's like literally a person. He is actually a physical person accompanied by two people. Um, and, uh, has, uh, has a, a meal prepared by Abraham under a tree. Um, if you guys want to know more about, like, God's way with food and fellowship, go check out, again, our mini-segment where we talked a little bit about, like, why the Garden of Eden was constantly full of food and, and the things about food that are super important when it comes to fellowship. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, physical human, uh, that is God, physical person down on Earth with two people. Uh, and also, it's just like, um, hey... So, Sodom and Gomorrah, the people have been, like, crying out to me, and I'm gonna go see if they've actually done anything in which, like, he's, like, basically, like, I'm gonna see if they've done anything to change their ways or, like, repent. I'm gonna read the little section note that Luther has for it, um, uh, for it, so... Uh, God chose Abraham to establish true religion through him and to fulfill the messianic promises. God graciously promised that Abraham's descendants would become a great nation. From this nation would come the Messiah, from whom all nations can receive God's blessing. Sodom's wickedness was already well known and cried out for God's judgment. So... Oh. <laughs> it changes it fun. changes the entire tone of that of that verse because it yeah. says that I will go down to see yeah. whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. So basically what it means now is that the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is not the people being like, "Hey, God, smite us." right now do it let's see that let's see that power let's see if you can actually kill us you know mm -hmm. that that's not what ha what's happening we'll we'll talk about this more um in a second here because mm -hmm. abraham's like whoa god wait a minute um like lot lives there let's let's talk about this kind of deal like uh, abraham mm -hmm. abraham gets super worried about this um and we'll talk about what happens with uh sodom and gomorrah next episode um but uh, well next time when we go through all this stuff uh but what's happening is that like the people of sodom and gomorrah are so wicked that the evil that is coming from sodom and gomorrah is like an outcry to god saying smite us 
They have <laughs> turned against God um, completely and have engaged in things so evil and so sinful that it's basically an outcry for judgment is how it's being worded. And God is God saying, I am going down there now to see if the outcry that is being that it, that I am hearing is as bad as it is. I am going down there to see for myself how Jeez. sinful these people are. Yeah, man. And we know from earlier uh, from the story with Melchizedek that the king of Sodom was like, blessed be the God Almighty who has provided Abraham to us. And when um, when uh, Melchizedek was talking to him, he was just like, oh no, please, I must bless this man that you have blessed me with for what he's done kind of deal. He is up talking and acting like a super righteous man in the presence of this guy, guy who is the priest of, of God most high. He's like, I'll, I'll be for, for this God or whatever that you like, he's playing it off pretty much. And we know yeah. that basically like not even two decades later, Sodom and Gomorrah has become so sinful that God himself is going there to check it out to see what's going on. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh boy. <laughs> like, we know that God um, did, like, he, he like, knew everyone, he knows everyone, and, like, he saw the evil of the, uh, of the world, and that's why he flooded the world. And he's seeing pretty much that same evil in Sodom and Gomorrah, that same level and that same intensity of evil that he's like, all right, I got to go see what's up now. <laughs> and Abram is about to start freaking out about it. Yeah. No, yeah, that uh, that, that would be a terrifying situation because, like, what if you knew, like, some kind of, I mean, you could liken God's punishment to, like, a crazy natural disaster and your relative was there, and you're like, okay, yeah, this isn't good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <It's not happy. laughs> yeah, having a casual conversation with the creator of the universe, and he's like, by the way, before I leave, um, this place is awful. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go check it out and see what if I need to do anything about it. <laughs> like, wait a minute, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> like, wait, wait, hold on. Casually drops it in the conversation of like, I might smite a, I might smite a kingdom. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. See if my yeah, schedule's maybe. free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Do you want to continue with verse twenty-two? Yeah, yeah. And finish it uh, out for us. Yeah. All right. Abraham intercedes for Sodom. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham's still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteousness with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Um, shall... I lost my spot. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for, for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. 
I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for a lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty I will not do it. Then he said, O oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, For the sake of the twenty I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again. But this once, suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way. When he finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of stuff there. A lot of yeah, interesting quite a lot things. To Abraham is like super, super worried about about this. Like, you know, creator of the universe casually drops in the conversation. I'm gonna go smite all these people. Abraham knows pretty much the people of Sodom of Gomorrah and Gomorrah. Mm. Like, Lot lives there. He knows the king. He probably knows a lot of like the 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 royal members, right? Um, it it might even be fair to say that like they are friends because Abraham is still not a good person. Uh, (laughs) and basically Abraham the whole time is pleading to God being like, if there are righteous people, you wouldn't smite this, like erase this place from existence if there are righteous people then, because that would be punishing the righteous because of the unrighteous. And that's not, you know, that. That, that's, that, not just. that's not just that's not that's not what you do yeah. and god con- and god is constantly being like okay if i find this many people this many people i won't and the number keeps decreasing and he's like if i find this many people i will spare this place for you um yeah. and the reason why abram abraham is considered a righteous man uh in the in the sight of yeah. god right other than the fact that like um the like the Messiah is supposed to come from Abraham's line. Uh, Abraham listened to God's call to move, and um, you know we we see that he you know like listen um, is listening to um, God's call about Isaac, uh, and we'll see more stuff about him being righteous in God's eyes. But here, every time he goes up to God and is asking about a number and getting it smaller, he's just like God. I know who you are, like, and I know where I am in this position. Like, I know who I am in comparison to you. Uh, and at one point, he refers to himself as, you know, just the dust of the earth. Like, I, I'm aware that I am dust, right? Um, yeah. But he's basically kind of pleading his case because he asks the same question over and over again, um, decreasing the number. And if you've ever been around a, a child who does that, it's annoying. <laughs> and so he's basically like, don't be annoyed. I know where I am in this position. I know who you are. But like the reason that I, but like, I know who you are. So you, you wouldn't do it if there was this many people, correct? And like basically going through it and God is super patient, super loving, super forgiving. And it's just like, no, I won't for your sake. If I find this many righteous people, I won't, I will not destroy the cities. And I was like, damn. And then after the number decreases a lot, he just leaves. And that's the end of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's the section that we have for right now. Um, yeah. A whole lot of information. Yeah, so, 
Sorry to kind of leave you guys on the edge of your seats here. <laughs> <laughs> Will Sodom and Gomorrah be destroyed? <laughs> Find out on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a lot of information going down. There's a whole lot of covenants being promised to Abraham and a whole lot of like the rest of Genesis and even Exodus that is being set up right now um, mm. by these covenants that we will see. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's good. Do you have any, any closing thoughts or anything, any comments in regards to what was discussed today? Nah, I think you touched on pretty much most of that, uh, especially for the last chapter there. Oh, yeah. All right, well, uh, do you want to go ahead and plug in the, the socials and do kind of like the send-off? Uh, yeah, sure, um... Yeah, thanks again, guys, for uh, watching this here podcast episode. Um, we uh, we we got a lot of other ways you can uh, get in touch with us. Uh, whether it be on social media, we got an Instagram account. Um, we we got uh, well, we we have an email account, and that's for um, if you want to send in some questions our way that we could get to on some. Um, Mini, uh, that 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 could probably be featured on some mini episode or something, um, but uh, yeah, now we'll we'll leave all that information in the uh, description below um, if you're watching on YouTube, um, and um, yeah, thanks uh, thanks again for spending your time listening to us here. Uh, really does mean a lot. So mm-hmm. yeah, tune in next time when the word on the street is babies are being killed on a mountain. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>